Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look in movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. Particularly I'm now. your host, Josh Griffey. Oh, you're doing that now? Okay. <laughs> I was about to give you a highly illusionist intro, but that's fine. <laughs> Joined by my friend, cult leader, rotting corpse, rocker of the uh, face binder, uh, and co-host Alex Dandino. Sorry, we just we say magic, and I'm so excited because this this is we're, we're actually talking about magic. Oh, I see what you did there. There you go. Yeah, see, I was in my spiel. I was locked in. No, what I like about this too, I, I guess you're not an illusionist. If I said you're next, you're walking betwixt the world. Oh no, right? you're just doing magic. All right, so this month, got, well, first off, if you love the show, please leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. That means the world to us. We've seen you guys doing it. It does help. Really appreciate Trust it, guys. Trust us. It's very uh, nice. Get at us on social media. Let us know movies you would like to see us cover, themes for a whole month, double feature, people to have on the show, anything. Let us know, uh, and we'll be there for you. And then uh, what else? We got the YouTube. That's Nerd Alchemist, plural, with an S at the end. Uh, so you can see our faces. And here are sultry tones. All right, so this month, the pod takes the case. I would argue that Alex loopholed my ass because I picked the two best detective movies ever, (laughs) The Golden Child and Lord of Illusions. And Alex picked movies that are mysteries indeed, but no detectives. Am I mistaken? Mm, You would be wrong. You picked Zodiac and Brick. Just Zodiac's because they a are newspapermen. Just because they are not detectives in title does not make them detectives. You're missing the point of the genre itself. See, me and Amy had an argument about that, and I was like, everyone is detecting all the time. My dad thought he was a detective when I would come home and lie to him, and he'd he'd put on like the little aha, uh-huh, you know, the game is afoot, and I'd be like, All right, that's cool. Oh, the whole point but, of Okay, so you chose Zodiac and Brick as your two choices. I chose Zodiac and Brick because they are my favorite. They they, they do a great job of using the uh, film noir genre to its because that's really where the uh, detective stories live is this noir area so um that's where i right. but I, I like the ones that kind of subvert the genre a little bit and that's definitely brick and definitely zodiac yeah well we're gonna start today with probably the best of the four of course i chose that clive barker's lord of illusions right <laughs> now this movie i have loved for ages right so as people who listen to the show know, I rank Hellraiser among not only my favorite horror movies, but one of my favorite movies of all time. Right. So that, when I saw that, I think the first time I saw Hellraiser, I was maybe 13 years old. Right. right. And it's kind of this, like, the, oh, I'm starting to form who I am, and you're starting to, like, experience your sexuality, and all of a sudden you see this Hellraiser thing, you're like, I don't know what this is, it all feels wrong and dangerous, and I like E. I like E a lot, right? So right. then that sent me on this rabbit hole, right? And you discover that Clive Barker, you know, is this vastly accomplished author and that he wrote all these other so then you're you're finding all these other Clive Barker yeah. movies, even Clive Barker adjacents, right? This is one of the few that Clive Barker actually got behind the chair, right? So he wrote it for the screen and he you know, he actually got out and directed it. And what I would argue is that you get this it's essentially just the way more entertaining version of Chinatown. If the water that they're stealing is a vast pool of magic, <laughs> that the reservoir being stolen is magical. All right, Alex, uh, walk me through. Is this the top 10 for you all time now? Uh, no, <laughs> but it was still very entertaining. I, 
I don't think people realize, and this is something like, I think uh, horror fans know this, but people who watch movies in general need to understand like how important Clive Barker is to pop culture in general. Like, right. There are things that he has done that no one remembers that he has done simply because he either is too cool to admit it or like doesn't care enough because he's too focused on the next batshit crazy thing he's doing. But like <laughs> Of course though, Clive Barker does a takes his a stab at film noir. It's very, you know, it makes a lot of sense. It's very on brand. And he does a really good job with it too. It's fun. I really like it. And again, like I think the phrase occult detective is one of my all-time favorite like uh, little uh, misnomers for uh, weird things and like something you need in a movie like well I don't know it's just a guy and he likes he's got he's got a tattoo occult detective yeah. perfect no but Harry is actually marked in this film oh right? yeah no he's this, he's marked what I like about this movie is this was essentially the test run for Constantine right oh this yeah this movie might be the best Constantine movie we've ever seen. You know, what I, like I love that about because I like the occult <laughs> detective, right? Because I don't just think it's it's a guy who like, oh yes, I've I've dabbled, right? Like, no, oh no. yes, after I go on a hardy case of like insurance frauds, right? I go down to Bar Sinister and get spanked and ponder the darkness. What I like about this though is it takes that kind of like broken. What if Humphrey Bogart wasn't just broken because? Right. Well, because and I, well, and I think right, that's... but that he had seen something that made him question. Because a lot of detectives play on the right; they see so much of the bad parts of us, right? That they don't trust anything. They're they're so committed to the jobs and alcohol. They have broken relationships, whatever. This guy, right? When we meet Harry in this movie, right, is played by Scott Bakula. He actually is coming off a case, right, where right. he sees. A child who is most likely truly possessed. We get the sense that he at least fully believed it, and it went absolutely tits up. Yeah. I mean, that's really kind of like, that's what the nice thing is about, I'd say, this version of, it's the truest occult detective, so to speak. Like, to me, Constantine is, Constantine is a great character, but Constantine is first and foremost um, not a detective. To me, Constantine is definitely more a you know sorcerer type like he has the ability right. to wield this magic um a cult right. detective particularly in harry demore's case it by the way great spelling <laughs> of that name d apostrophe amour um but amour in, you know i like that <laughs> i know you do love that um in harry's case though he literally is he is protected but he is not a a, a, a practitioner and i think that's a very important distinction right. particularly for um any sort of film noir. I think when uh, uh, someone uh, like a detective in this case is um, a practitioner of the very thing he's detecting, I think that kind of muddies the water a little bit. The idea is that you want to have a character like this who can co who can still be shocked. Like that's why I think Constantine yeah. is kind of more just a sorcerer to me because Constantine is not shocked when he sees the devil or when he sees these things. Like Harry's right. experiences, but unlike him, right are shocking this is what i mean harry when you're just around like you get the sense that this is like harry's like first case after his life is ruined right sure he's like well i was a guy who like was a detective right i was doing normal shit right and then i saw the fate like we see that horrific flashback of the devil child and the devil mother or maybe just the demon who's claimed the child you know. and you get the sense that this man is just 
broken, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh, so now we're starting the rest of my journey. <laughs> like, before I was detecting. And it's kind of like I heard someone refer to once. I, we were There was like a screenplay for Dungeons & Dragons going around town and people were giving notes. And someone's like, yeah, the, the uh, wizard will essentially be like a hacker. In those, because people just were like, I guess Dungeons and Dragons isn't archetypal enough. You have to give it another archetype. But sometimes Jeez. people, like all of magic, always seems to be a detective work a little bit, right? Where you got to like suss through and find your answers. Harry, in his own way, never dabbles in the magic. No. But somehow we get the sense that he is drawn into all of this, right? Because several characters even mention the importance of him arriving. Swan right. seems to kind of gravitate to it and there's this so that's kind of one of the fun things that they leave pretty open by the end of it yeah is why harry is so integral to this was the demon that was attacking him in new york city like oh i got to get this dude out to la for a screen test you know what i mean like he's got the chops he's got that harrison ford body with that well, made i mean this TV is like face. the great thing about like this is clive barker too again um I did like my own research. Like Harry Demore is a character who's actually transcended like through Clive Barker's stories. He actually mm-hmm. had his own. He was a big part of the Hellraiser comic that came out from Boom Studios. So like, mm-hmm. again, it's like him, Pinhead. Like these are characters that Clive Barker's created that transcend, that endure simply because they do fit an archetype within the Clive Barker universe of needs. And I think that that's what's fun about. What's fun about this, and I'm not saying that's what makes Lord of Illusions interesting at all. Uh, Lord of Illusions is interesting all on its no, own. No, every single frame and line of dialogue does that. Right. I understand. But Harry Demore does a great job of being uh, a detective with a diff- like a detective that has a different spin. Like it's not necessarily the detective we're used to, but it's a good, it's a solid start. I would say. Yeah. And. I really like Scott Bakula in this a lot. He's kind of, he just, he has a good demeanor throughout, right? And yeah, what I like about him is for a man who's broken, you still get this, he's so willing for the fight, right? Which is, it's one of those things you see in movie characters that I think we undervalue a lot because so many of us, I think, like when the thing happens, right? We're just like, well, that's it. Like, you know, it it ruins me. Right. And this man sees it and now he's willing to take the fight because I think you could argue that, Harry's a fairly non-heroic character, right? I mean, I just but love just the willingness to take on the fight constantly, yeah. especially knowing, right? Once he sees that possessed child and then once he starts going deeper and deeper in these circles, not everyone is a fake, you know, magician from Brooklyn. Some of these people have real juice. Right. No, and absolutely. Even in the face of that, he almost doubles his resolve to, you know, keep fighting. Well, I think that's the that's <laughs> I, I think Scott Bakula is a wonderful actor, by the way. Like this is a man who like Amazing. got quantum leaped, and then like for some reason yeah. people stopped hiring for like this kind of stuff. I think he's awesome. I, I love Scott Bakula. He quantum um, leaps off the screen. Am I right? Absolutely, one hundred percent. Like again, I this be his is. Agent. I think he's just a great actor, and you're right. He does embody yeah. this great like up for it attitude. Like, and it's not right. a go getter thing. Like <laughs> he does exactly no. what. And it's interesting you brought him up. Like, to me, this is like, it felt so much like uh, Marlowe. Felt like a Philip Marlowe thing. Like, yeah. that is the vibe yeah. I got the entire movie. It was like, this is like Philip Marlowe if he had gone one step too far and never came back. Like, that's what it is. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, no, and because this is the thing. Like, I think that base for him, <laughs> and Bacala does this really well, because he seems to really 
the scenes where he's kind of just having his jokes, right? Like his devil may care quips feels more in his wheelhouse. Right. But he does a really good job of laying this base. Because one of the first times we see him in action, right? He's tailing a guy who's there for insurance fraud, right? Who's just having this great hooker party. Oh, yeah. And then he's like, wait, I need to stop hooking to go get my palms read. <laughs> like, that's what the movie wants us to believe. And you're like, all right, that's your one. You get one per movie. I, I, I'll I, go with you on this journey, yeah. right? This guy wearing a and pinky ring there, is just then, tired like, of hooking for a hot minute. Yeah, he's just like... You know, like the ladies are <laughs> just pouring things on me and we're running around naked on the catwalk. So everyone knows that I'm getting pussy, right? Like that guy yeah, leave, is all of a sudden going leaving to stop. The, leaving the, the windows game. wide open to the Commodore Motel. Yes. That guy. Yeah. yeah. Plows. Yeah. That guy's known for being punctual and keeping appointments, I'm sure. Right. So that guy goes in. He runs past Scott Bakula, right? Mm-hmm. Bakula runs in. And he sees this room that's filled with blood. And then all of a sudden, you know, like a neo-Nazi circus geek jumps out and is fighting him. And what we learn immediately is that Harry is so quick to lethal force. (laughs) There's probably three or four times in this movie where he's just like, I will just kill whatever's in front of me. As far as his detective (laughs) skills go, most of it lies in snoops rather than like questioning people. He mostly murders people. Yeah. Very well, it's often weird, right? Because the geek like breaks through. He's having like this, you know, he's learning about the Puritan or whatever. Right. And the geek breaks in and he's like, I got it. I'm going to fucking punch his ass through the window and definitely kill him. Right. In a town he's never been in. Right. And I don't know the process for being detective licensed, but this movie seems to say, don't look behind that curtain. Right. In the Emerald City. Uh, there's another. <laughs> it's just a couple times like that. He definitely kills a guy with a mind freak prop. Yeah. beneath the stage mm-hmm. right so there, there's at least like two attempted murders right there later when he's being chased by fire he's like i better just put some loose rounds through this house right because maybe i'll kill the fire serpent yeah with that was like, he's just really fucking into murders yeah he's eager to he's eager to get some shit going on you know like that's like he's yeah. eager to take he's eager to cap he's eager to cap people respect yeah and i there, there, so there's something extra dark about him, but I think that's why you got to lay that nice base. The real problem here is we didn't get the classic detective movie scene, though, where he gets brought in by the cops and goes, you got to shoot first, ask questions, let them in town into more. And he's like, fuck you. I get results. That's, that's why you got bounced off the force to move. I get, re- you know I mean? get results. Like, that's like the fact yeah. that we didn't if get that. you were more by the book. <laughs> I mean, you would have been on the force. The <laughs> you know? Oh, you could have done a whole, the, like just some tough. The fact that savage. we did not, because I have to, uh, it's interesting you bring this up because after that scene, I thought the same thing. I was like, wait a second. They're just going to ask him questions. Like none of them, none of the questions they ask him are, why'd you throw that guy out the fucking window? It's, oh yeah, I don't know what's going on. Where And then they're like, oh, where'd he go? I'm like, excuse me. Well, this, this guy murdered someone. <laughs> yeah. So. This must be like a Clyde Barker thinks this is how straight women think, which is essentially the detectives always like writing down like claims to have murdered a guy he never knew by punching him out the window, uh, found in a body with a guy who's a human pincushion, claims there is another like weird eyed boy toy. None of those people are found except for him and the dead body. And then she just writes it down. She's like. You rascal. How long are you staying? <laughs> yeah, what is... What's your Airbnb situation? <laughs> yeah, like, that That lady detective talks to him, like, three times. 
and consistently just keeps being like, oh, Mondays, right? Yeah. I feel <laughs> like she, just- she literally just lets him up. And then in the police station, they they have him in for questioning, like, hey, this celebrity just got murdered, right. we think. You were beneath the stage firing up where if gunshots were heard, and you mind freaked this guy, right? And impaled his ass with the sand launcher. Right. Uh it's cool though. You have one cut on your face. Go ahead. You know what? Oh, also feel free to break into someone's office and sit behind their desk and maybe uh, you know, alter your fucking stories with the widow. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? I, I really enjoyed Clive Barker's ability to ignore general procedures and just say, Listen, this is not important. We gotta get to this Lord of Illusions stuff. Like <laughs> what happened in this movie is that Scott Bakula was allowed to run so amok. But that's why they were cracking down on uh, Riggs's ass so much in Lethal Weapon. There is so- like, we had a loose cannon like you here before. He was an illusion detective. We're not doing that again. <laughs> the cops are so, like, blase. The best part is the cops are so like, well, you know, he gets results. But then he goes, shows up at the Magic Castle, and they're like, hey, you stay the fuck out of here. Like, like, wait a second. The Magic Castle is where the buck stops? Like, that's where we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. You do not get in here. Yeah, this gallivanting attitude of yours might fly with the LAPD, but not here, pal. We have rules about illusioning. <laughs> Look, I you know yeah, I, I think mean, Harry's really really fun in this movie. I really do. Great. Totally love Scott back. He's just he's just he's got so many great scenes. Right when he rips the face apart and the the body. Also, when he's oh. just like. It seems like he has a small hunch that something's afoot, but he's like, because he's yelling at her, like, tell me the truth, damn it, to uh, Famke Jansen. Yeah. And then he's like, but before you tell me the truth, it's just like, yeah, "Yeah, I'll bang you. Impossibly, because it felt like the way they shot it, that they were fucking in the room with the casket of her dead illusionist husband. Yeah, I thought that too, and I was like... Man, Clive Barker is fucked up. Fucking but I was also kind of like, you know what? This is pretty much Clive Barker. This is pretty much, you know, why not? Why not? Yeah. We get it. Sure. Well, a guy who gets a, a guy who's just like, yeah, I can just run around and throw people out of windows, dude. Like, I'm not going to stop and be like, oh, can we pull a blankie over the dead guy while I pound his wife? No way. No way. That's not how I demure it. You know Ooh, what I mean? Ooh, nice. There's no way. You know, I, yeah. for, I, I, I'm, this, this was my first time watching this movie, and the delight I felt when Fomke Jansen showed up on camera can only Bro. be described as Bro. returning to my 10-year-old roots the first time I saw her as yeah. Xenia on a top in Goldeneye and be like, oh, that woman. Is it like-, like broke my brain. It was the right age where that movie came out and I was just kind of discovering James Bond. Mm-hmm. And it's very much like Doctor Who, right? When you get in, that's the guy you latch out. Like, I've always been a Pierce Brosnan guy. Mm-hmm. Even though at least half of his movies are pretty hard to defend is good right garbage the word but i is think garbage. it's just like the perfect embodiment of bond to me when i think totally. of bond it's always pierce first right right and yeah when i saw zenya on a top and honestly it's just gotten better with age you're like man of all the movie deaths i've seen like i want that old fucking like ginger admiral or whatever the fuck like yeah, you can do that to me. Absolutely. Like let's go out fucking mm. leg wrestling. That's great. <laughs> right? That is- but she's it's yeah, it's so funny to see her in it's, this, right? It's Cause- weird because she's so it's so different. <laughs> and again, like because she's young, yeah. like I've seen her in other stuff. Like she was a nip tuck. She's done a lot of TV since then. But like I'm yeah. just brought right back to 
10-year-old me watching Goldeneye, and I'm like, why yeah. is she so cool? Like, why isn't she just, like, legs? There, why is she just leg-squeezing dudes to death? What's going on? Yeah, there are just actors and actresses that will forever be bound to people's memory, right? I mean, I have a couple. It was like Famke Jansen. I remember when Barbed Wire came out. I remember the first time I saw Jessica Rabbit. You know, oh, yeah. there, are like, there are like five of them for all of, like, you know, where you're just like, oh, like you have like an emotional like moment. You know, I'm right. sure like my wife always says uh, the first time she saw Fight Club, right? With Brad Pitt. She was just like, what everyone's, is that thing? Everyone's got a thing. <laughs> I get it. And as, and as Lord of Illusions tells us, it rarely works out because her fantasy was Brad Pitt and she's married to me. <laughs> you could you could make an argument that I am the exact inverse of Brad Pitt. <laughs> like if, if there was a, a pulling inside out effect, that would be me. But uh, you know what's really cool about this, too? We haven't quite gotten to my there are some other great parts. But my favorite thing in this movie is I absolutely love the cult. I fucking oh, yeah. adore the cult. The Puritans cult. And I, yeah. I love the way they handle the magic in this movie. I think it's really fascinating, honestly. Yeah. And that opening scene, it just kind of sets this awesome stage. You're like, wow, this movie's going to be fucking out there, and I mm -hmm. love it. I actually took a picture because you know I love when movies start with uh, opening dialogue or, like, you know, cards to explain what's happening. <laughs> yeah. I actually <laughs> thought great. that. Listen to this. I thought that exact thing. There are two worlds of magic. One is the glittering domain of the illusionist. That sounds like a passive-aggressive Yelp review. The other is a secret place where magic is terrifying reality. Here men have the power of demons, and death itself is an illusion. That is awesome. Like, I just saw that card, and you're like, yes, I'm into it. Cut to cars driving down. There's a guy whose fucking nuts are somehow being bound in the world's tiniest jean shorts. He has, you know, one blue eye. He runs inside. We just got Nick's juggling like a little fire, surrounded by uh, the extra for every serial killer you've ever heard of. 100%. <laughs> then we cut to a room <laughs> where he just has a little girl hostage and a baboon that he lets out the chain, and we just never hear from that fucking baboon again. Nope. That, that feels like it should be an integral part of this whole cult hierarchy. <laughs> That's gone. And then it just devolves into fucking insanity. And you're immediately like, yes, bitch. Yes, this is why I love Clyde Barker. I could tell you, actually, even before characters were shown on screen, one, as soon as I saw the the cards, I'm like, this is why this is Griffey's like, favorite detective <laughs> movie ever. Oh, um, yeah, baby. <laughs> like I'm like, all it has to do is this. And we literally could not watch anything else. And as long as it had that, he'd be like, God, I need more. Give me more. Yeah. But I love it. I, it is the thing that I so wish they would bring back in movies. It's you just the it, one to two card, like, text to set me up. But Stop doing the fucking flashbacks all the time. Tell me. Just fucking tell me. The dude. thing that was really, really, really great, and the thing that really sets the tone for the movie is not even the, like, the cult scenes, which is, are great, too. It's that tracking shot over the desert of all that shit. That alone, to me, is like the real magic of the movie itself. Is that if you needed <laughs> That's what to you like, huh? I know it sounds weird, but like if you needed to know anything about this movie and about how this was going to go and like what you were going to discover, all you needed to see was really the first two minutes of like that tracking shot through the desert of that shit. Because to me, that explains so much of like 
the dirt like hey this is going to be a dirty like dirty thing like dirty movie like there's going to be a lot of like it's going to be grimy yeah. it's not going to be this glistening like it's not hellraiser it's not dudes and whips and chains and shit like that it's literally the main bad guy is a guy who's wearing a bippy top the entire time like that is <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty amazing i like how you just you just kind of casually you're like it's not some austere you know, on its pedestal, virginal white movie like Hellraiser. <laughs> this one's real. <laughs> it's in the. It's that's in probably. The that's the weirdest passive. You know, Hellraiser's not hardcore enough. I've ever heard in my life. I wasn't even saying Hellraiser not hardcore enough. It. I'm just Got saying it. Hellraiser had Hellraiser. You raise is, an interesting point. Hellraiser's sleek. What I. It is. It's very sleek, right? And it's it's more. While they're both. I'll, I'll make this argument later that they're kind of again that Hellraiser is to Lord of Illusions what I am to Brad Pitt, right? Inverses, right. exact inside outs, right? But what I think is really cool is you get this amazing character actor, right? Daniel von Bargen, yep. who we've seen in a million movies, right? And he always kind of plays the like corporate asshole, detective asshole, doesn't get it guy, right? Like the guy is just there to be like. Oh, yeah, there's cool things in this world that make life worth living. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to go home and drink 240s by myself and eat a hungry man. You think I regret that I don't believe in dragons? <laughs> I don't even know if that was a role he did, but you would be shocked if that wasn't it, right? <laughs> right. But right. he comes up. And what I like about this, too, is that he's not a glamorous cult leader. No. Right? He's this disgusting fucking to show. And what it shows you is there is this this cost to what he's dabbling in. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think Clyde Barker more than one of my favorite things about the way he tells stories is I, I would say that he among anyone that I really enjoy, right. He never has any kind of glamorization of this stuff. Right. No. Like Clyde Barker. The thing that I always kind of take from it is and this movie says it a couple times, right. That uh, the flesh is a trap. Right. And what I think he means is, in a lot of his imagery, right, this kind of psychosexual, like, melding and pulling of the flesh and bodily distortions and, you know, all that. Is that eventually that, that's the trap, right? Yeah. You can chase and chase and chase, whether it's, you know, sex or drugs or whatever. The flesh only has so much, right? Right. And this one is the, this is the movie where I feel like Clive Barker is kind of making his, like, his philosophy a little more crystallized, right? Whereas Hellraiser is, I so want to see how far the flesh can go that I go to a trap that is this puzzle box. And right. then Pinhead essentially says, right, like I can play with your body for an infinite amount of time, right? Right. Pleasure, pain, all that. This is the movie that says, man, that shit will never, ever be enough, right? It's, it's exactly calling out Pinhead's entire jam. Right. And just say, you know, that pursuit of something more runs throughout all the characters. And I think it's really cool that Clive Barker makes this movie, right? Where he's like, all right, enough of the flesh stuff. I do the flesh and everything. I'll do it here for you because I know why you bought the ticket. But that extra layer in this one, right, is that, you know, magic is what is the is worth living for. Right. I think it becomes a really cool kind of thesis for his career. Interesting. That's a good point, I guess. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I I do like that. That is what it. It's not his. That's it's not his usual thing. It actually reminded me of a lot of like '80s 
noir stuff where it's like obviously like body heat, like shit like that. Like there's a sense of there's a sense of um, there's just there's there's a different vibe to it all. Like that, I think, is probably the best part is he is he's not just doing a version of Hellraiser like you're right. He's expanding his he's expanding his oeuvre a little bit and saying I can do that, too. But like I can also tell this pretty decent story about detective work and magic and the real magic of the world. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I like but that. That's what I mean. It's it's a story about a detective, an illusionist, right? All these people essentially are, they've kind of hit the end of their road. And they're all confronting this fucking bigger question. You know, what is the fucking purpose of all of this? Right. Like, even Swan, <laughs> would argue, is one of the weirdest and maybe worst planning characters of all time in any movie, right? Like, he essentially is like, hey, let's go to the ranch. He stole a girl. We're going to get her back. And they're like, what's the plan? Just separate and go room to room with guns and pray that baboon is not on the uh, fucking frenzy, right? Because that would definitely kill all of them. And he just walks in and he has no plan to deal with the immense power of, uh, you know, Nick's. Come to find out there's a lot more going on there, right? But, you know, as we move on, there's this broken part of even him, right? By the time we see swan again right after Nix has his fucking fingers in like you'll never see the world the same yeah very you know cool. that, those great clyde barker scenes right just like of course i'll slide my fingers into your flesh and it's just perfect you know what he does yeah but the rest of the movie we never see swan okay you know and it's weird because by the time we see him he's in his fuck he's married to famka jansen his, you know, he has a maid running around. He's in his giant study with all of his fucking, like, carnival gear or whatever. Right. And he's just reading a paper, but you can see him fucking shaking, right? He knows, oh, fuck, like, they're killing the people to get to Nick's. Right. You can tell he's broken, right? Even his new illusion. He's trying to plan his death and this and that. But then, so this is the whole movie. He tries to plan his death, but even in death, he still keeps tab on his wife, fucking Demur, right? And is mad about it. Jealous to the point where... When we see the origami fire demon, it looks exactly like a spell that Swan casts later in the movie. Mm-hmm. So we as- we are told that it's Nyx and that it's the bad guy haunting them, but he hasn't been revived yet. He hasn't shown that power. No. I think that was her husband like, you fucking dicked my wife. Granny, you should have done the spell like 30 minutes earlier, right? When they were distarting the sex. But, <laughs> but that's really, I mean, this guy is faking his own death, but still cares who's fucking his wife. Right. Well, I, you know what I mean? This guy who fakes his own death and then fucking goes to his own funeral. Right there. There's this very fucking broken nature because everything we see is his art and his show. Right. He's like, I'm Chris. I'm the Chris Angel. Now I've mind freaked the world. I have it all. But all we ever see is a guy who is wildly unhappy and scared. Right. right. And it's really nailed in. There are two scenes at the end that are fascinating to me, which is when uh they find the grave. Right, like one, like, hey, maybe don't use a a grave in the middle of the desert with the only landmark in that whole desert. Yeah, for real. Neither here nor there. Whatever. Maybe he secretly wanted Nick's back, as we learned. Could be, yes. But <laughs> is he struggling to get Valentin out of the hole? Right, Demur. He's like, come on, help me. And we see Swan, and he's get out of the car, get out of the car. This is a guy we saw physically pick up a car with his mind. Right. right yeah. He's a magic. And he's fucking scared of, like, facing all of this, right? Right. And then there's another. (laughs) 
but the, yeah, that's what I mean, right? There's just this constant like unease and <laughs> fear about him, right? Where it's it's he's a man who's seen beyond, right? When when Nick's entered his mind, he has seen the fucking beyond, and he's fucking terrified, right? He's just he's he's a broken spirit for every scene in the movie. Well, and I think that's another thing Clive Barker does so well when he writes these things is. I love that Clive Barker's stories are all about consequences. Like whether he intends them to be or not, I feel like everything he's ever done is about the consequences, the consequences of true magic, the consequences of the true pursuit of like the pursuit of truth in a way, when you think about it, because really Nix is displaying the truth of power, you know, like he can do these amazing things. And at least at the beginning of the movie, obviously, and you know, at the end too, but you know, Swan inheriting that stuff. The reason he's scared isn't because he's worried that they're going to come after him. I don't think to me, he's fearful of, he's fearful of the consequences. Like the, like the ancillary issue of people coming after him. I think that's probably less important to him than the consequences of simply having the knowledge. Like that is the scariest part I of all. I think he's scared that he wants Nick's to come back. I think that's oh, well, why yeah. he buries I mean, him at the rock. Definitely part of it, right? Because we hear I mean, later, there's this great line that Nick's has, right, and it's facet. Because he comes back and he's like this metal ass zombie, right? Yeah. Like, hey, shave your heads, be punished for me. Oh, hey, boy, toy with the one eye, Psh, bitch smack, right? He's just fucking his followers up. He has no care for them at all, right? His colors are revealed, right? But he does really care about Swan, right? And he has he this does. great kind of soliloquy. He goes on at a point where he's. You know, I was born to destroy the world, right? And Swan was the one I was... I forget how he phrased it, right? Essentially what he says is, after he destroys the world, he's like, we were going to share each other's company in the dark. Right. And that, to me, is one of the... It seems dark, but that's a really good sentiment of how I think people want love to be, right? When people... In this thing, we've been married for a long time, right? And been with our wives for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to get far away from, do you remember that moment, right? The fucking moment you knew. And your body was ablaze, right? Filled with that magical spark, right? Right. And I think that's that, that kind of captures this sentiment is he's really in love with Swan, right? Take that as you will. Sure. That was his guy, right? And he has this other servant who's so desperately been trying to resurrect that's one of my other favorite things he's like it took me a long time to learn the resurrection spell i made my own tools to help resurrect next and then all he does is take two screws out i'm like you could have just watched this old house and done that shit like 13 years ago just get a claw hammer you know pop that shit out <laughs> again he has all these devoted fought right the uh you know the, the not the coolest club like no one in a cold is someone you want to hang out no. with but they're there no. They're shaving their fucking heads with glass. That's another. That whole ending has a lot of questions. Where I'm like, what have those people been doing for 30? Where's Double Snake Guy? What's he been doing for the last 13 years, okay. right? Was he just <laughs> working at a subway? The cult, the cult scene, particularly the quicksand stuff, has one of my all-time favorite moments in a movie. And look, this was a great. <laughs> this was a really fun movie to watch. I woke my kid up because yeah. I was laughing so hard at this scene. So Yeah. It starts raining, and uh, Nick's basically essentially tricks all of his followers and starts quicksanding them, sucking them into the floor so wow. they, you know, they meet their doom. There's one guy who's not going down. 
<laughs> like he's like I love that guy. This guy's like he was like, he like reached out for someone, tried to pull someone up. His like final stand, just fuck you, like giving him the finger. Like I'm like, what other movie have you ever seen someone who's getting like dicked yeah. over by their boss, like in one of these kinds of like genre films? Yeah, and. Their initial instinct is to just give them the finger. Fuck you. Fuck yeah. you, man. Like that, I just something about the. It's the Harry Potter scene we all wanted with Snape to do that to Voldemort. Right? Like, fuck you, Lord Voldemort. I love Harry. I love that boy. I, right? We all wanted that scene. We never got I, it. I woke no, my kid up from a nap. Is, this I was is a guy, so right? This is the guy who's been in this cult, right? He waited. He came back 13 years. Yeah, He's like, 13 I don't know. This doesn't later. feel right. I don't have a snake. I don't have the thing, right? I'm a background guy. Right. And then all of a sudden, the boss is, like, turned on him, and he has this, like, brief moment, right? His whole life has flashed before his eyes, and he's like, oh, my God, this whole cult is bullshit. We're not a family. We're not traveler. And he's like, I'll save you. And then he's like, no, no, no fuck you. I realized the ruse. It's just says, wildly too late. <laughs> but I like that guy fighting back, man. Totally. Right? He He discovers his fierce individualism. At the he's absolute like, last possible moment. <laughs> he's like the embodiment of every cult leader, every cult member ever. Ever. Yeah. God. But that's this is this is one of the things I love about that in though, right? He's just throwing life away casually. Oh yeah. Just get This rid is of a it. man who's come back from the fucking grave. And he has this line I love his like ending here is just amazing. And it's it's so fun, too, because, again, this actor has been a character actor in so many of the same role. Oh, yeah. To see him really get a fucking push it, right, and be this, like, evil fucking magic necromancer, whatever the fuck he is, right. it's fucking awesome. And he really eats it up. There's this there's this awesome, awesome moment where, uh, cause I believe the line is, he said, I was a man who was supposed to become a god and didn't want it, I believe is how he phrased it right. Because all he wanted was to come back and fucking get his love back, right? right? Come back to Swan. And he at the end of the movie, this guy, everything falling apart, he's beating the grave, whatever. All he wants to do is fucking scream at Famke Jansen for taking his dude. That's it. You know what I mean? And that's – there's something – because it, it, what it is, it's belying the fact that maybe love is the real most powerful magic, right? Yeah. But I just – I love that whole ending. It's, it's really fat – Again, here's another. We'll, we'll just keep cutting away to, like, the weirdest things they do in the ending. I love when Scott Bakula looks at him. It reminded me of the other guys, which is a no on-the-nose satire, right? When Scott Bakula looks at, uh, you know, Swan, he's like, Hey, you think you could lift me like you lift the car? And Swan's like, Oh, yeah. And he lifts Scott Bakula, slowly <laughs> drifts him towards the evil wizard, Essentially, so Scott Bakula could push him. Yeah. I was like, Scott, get up and do a fucking running <laughs> jump kick. <laughs> like, what the fuck was it? I mean, he grabbed at his face. Maybe he had to, like, pluck the horns out. This is that yeah, great I, moment where they have those unbelievable practical effects of, like, the fucking evil growing out of him, which is great. Yeah. But I, I was like, that. I think that's the most useless. Unless Scott Bakula is like, I don't know, dude. Swan might survive. I got to get him to use up even more of his life energy so I can keep dicking down his wife. <laughs> but I was like, that is the worst. That plan did not help at all. Like, you could have just run up and pushed him. That's... And then he Sam Raimi's his way down to hell. Brilliant. That was great. That, I Fucking think, actually brilliant. is exactly what Scott Bakula was doing. He was 
definitely trying to drain Swan of all the energy so he could get back to demoring his wife. That's Don't worry, I'll save the day. It just slices his throat. Oh, what happened? Whoa, what a dick that wizard is. Hi-ya! You know what I mean? <laughs> but in the end, though, this is another funny thing, is that you could argue that Nyx gets exactly what he wants. Yes. They're, they're fleeing they're, the house they're together. But Swan is ripped apart, right? Pulled from his flesh into the hellhole, which is now closed, right? Right. It, Maybe in the end, they are going to keep each other company in the darkness, right? Yeah, I can see that. It's kind of, yeah. kind of lovely. I don't know that either of them need to be rewarded. Yeah, I'm not say. sure that they're... I'm not sure their uh, <laughs> eternal damnation together is necessarily supposed to be a reward, but that's one way of looking at it, sure. Oh. <laughs> it's like a threes company thing. <laughs> oh, now that we got rid of that John Ritter, let's get to it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Three's company too. Yeah, I. This is what I think the movie does, though, right? Is it's this really fascinating take on the lines between, you know, kind of illusion and magic, right? Right. But what I think they do even better than that is they layer it with this other narrative, which is people having to draw that line in themselves. Right. Right. The moment where we have to stop lying to our fucking selves right stop doing illusions on our own fucking mind right. you know what i mean right. and just and that that's what harry's going through right like what did he see and will he ever be out you get the sense that harry's mad that there are people out there that have this power and he doesn't right that he'll never be in control and that right like he seems really jealous not that swan is rich or has the wife or whatever but that he has all this fucking power i mean i think that's the chip you know, on it, it that's the chip on your shoulder as a as the as that as a detective, you know. They, you always you can't give a detective. But they, but they all he have wants. that, right? Because Famke Jansen has the same thing, where it's like, I am completely indebted to Swan. I love him because he's the man who freed me. But also, I hopped into bed super easy with Harry, right? right? You know, and she's kind of doing that. Like, where does how much does she owe him? Right? She clearly doesn't really love him. Like. She loves him in a way and appreciates what he did. But, like, you know, there's something else going on. Same with Nick's. Same with the boy toy, right? He's kind of fanatically trying to revive Nick's. And then the first thing he gets is a fucking backhand. Right. And then he's like, well, maybe I can still prove myself, right? Like, they're all grappling with this. The mission feels fucking false and or useless, right? Right. Like, Swan, like, oh, I'll just kill myself only to want to know what that does to people and maybe he wants nicks to come back himself so i think that's what the movie does is on the very surface right it's just a really fun people abusing magic murder mystery right yeah but it really layers nicely with characters that are actually going through shit right oh totally and I, see, I mean there are some things that have not aged super well right the the lawnmower man ghost of yeah. fires past or Whatever. what have you but for the most part, it's just a really brilliantly acted, really fun, you know, journey that is built on real characters, which you rarely see in this kind of movie. <laughs> oh, no, totally. I mean, I think that's the observation of everyone kind of, I mean, everyone kind of loses. And again, this is like what makes it a great detective story to me. And I really, I really like the genre. Like, I think film noir is one of my, fa definitely one of my favorite genres. But the yeah. thing that makes this a great detective story is that we meet a guy after we meet a guy 
after something that really haunts his career. And that's really kind of like when right. we meet a lot of these guys and their stories. So we're meeting mm-hmm. someone after something that immediately has happened that's really changed his the direction of his career. And what's fun is right. watching this character who's now kind of has to embrace it all, for one. Uh, but more to right. the point, it leaves him unresolved. Like, there's more to the story. Like, I think that's what's great about Clive Barker's horror genre in and of itself like his take is that it's never ending to me and that's something i really enjoy about clive barker so to me the character of harry demore is the perfect detective because he'll always be on the case there's always something going on in this world that clive barker's created for him yeah and i mean i it's just it's got so much of that right like they all are so struggling with you know, this blurred line of reality, but it's in a very personal way. Right. And that's that's what I appreciate about it, man. Totally. And that's the question, right? What magic really brought Nick's back besides the love of that one follower, his love for Swan? What brings Swan there? There's a lot of this because that's what I mean. You can look at it in the big surface, like kind of weird SNME Clyde Barker way. But there, there's a lot going on inside of these characters. Like, even someone like Valentin, right, Mm -hmm. is a pretty conflicted, you know, kind of classic bad, not quite a butler, I don't know, manservant. You're like, why would you, the fact that Swan is in Valentin where the body is, yes, that lets you know, he he knows, if there's a weak link in your chain, right? Yeah. You start looking around, you're like, well, my wife who already stood up to Nick's, all right, you know, well, these... These other people, these other magicians, we already fought our way in once, face down a baboon and whatever. Then you look around, and you're like, Valentin, there's the crack. That's the Ach- the Achilles Valentin right there. That's him. I know he'll break. <laughs> so, but <laughs> but even Valentin has like a pretty good death where he's like, I was but a manservant, and at the end, I was abused. Yeah. Also, sorry, you guys are gonna die again. And he goes, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know, but that's what I mean. All the characters seemingly have this, this extra push, man, that I find really fascinating. I mean, it's a fascinating movie and it's a lot, there's a lot of layers to it, which is great. And again, it's yeah. using the, it's using the framework of detective story in a very interesting way, which is always something I appreciate. Anytime they do, anytime movies find a way to, uh, I wouldn't say subvert the genre. That would be the wrong word, but I'd say celebrate while bringing, like bringing the idea of the detective story into another genre is always something I really enjoy. Yeah. And this is a lot of movies like this that I've seen. They, they cheat, they cheat on the building, the, the groundwork of the characters. And they're like, as long as it's just got the fun stuff, it'll be fine. And I, I think Lord of Illusions could have fallen into that. And, you know, I think there's an argument to be made that this movie could have been way better if a more experienced director had been at the helm, perhaps. Because there, there are a couple moments where you're like, that's a weird thing to cut away to. Okay, like, we just cut to, like, a real close-up of a sprinkler for, like, five seconds. You're like, I get it. We're in a graveyard. Maybe the least interesting thing you could show me right now. All right, I'll, I got to get back in the story. But, it, yeah, I mean, to me, it just... It's a really good storyteller doing his best across a lot of different crafts, man. And yeah, I think this is a wildly good movie. I'm glad that it's now in your top 10 favorite movies of all time. You're welcome. 
Didn't say that. That's it, guys, for Lord of Illusions. I blindsided Alex with trickery, and now he's got a new favorite movie. I hope you guys liked Lord of Illusion as much as we did. Uh, The pot is still on the case all month, so we're back with more people solving mysteries. Uh, The only movie possibly better than Lord of Illusion, I also picked Golden Child with Eddie Murphy. I will be making the case to you that it's the best Eddie Murphy as a detective movie, and I don't think it's close. I don't think it's close. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we got more good stuff coming for you. Uh, hopefully we'll get something that's in the theater now and burning up uh, the box office. We got a lot of good stuff, guys. Please leave us a rating and review. Please hit us up on all our socials. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. Please. Uh, and we'll be back soon. Uh, cracking more cases. That's, that's right. That's right. That was my detective face. Sounded pretty tough.